lovely to be with you all. <clears throat> yeah, so welcome to our uh, sermon series called Verses That Changed My Life. Um, it's a three-week series where myself, Josh Kelly, and Janelle Thomas are all going to share um, over the, the coming three weeks, and we'll share about a verse or a passage that has transformed us, and we'll share a bit of our testimony around that, but also unpack the meaning and application for all of us. Um, and as Barb was actually sharing this morning, I thought it was a great follow-on um, to do this after our Advent podcast series. Um, and I've spoken to lots of you who have been listening, uh, and if you haven't, I really encourage you just to go onto the website and to sermons and to just listen to those podcasts. They're sort of between six and ten minutes long, so it won't take you long to do that. But people shared a little bit of their journey of this year with God and also anticipated Christmas together, which was great. Um, so, yeah. I hope that as we continue to, to come together as the Rivers family, um, that um, people will take the opportunity to hear a bit more from each other. So why did I choose this particular passage to share on this morning? <clears throat> it's really one of the first passages that I remember wanting to memorise as a new Christian. I had it printed out and had it up on my wall, but actually at the beginning I only had the last part of, part of verse 13 and verse 14 up there. Because I came to my relationship with God, uh, I think a little bit like um, many of us maybe do, with a bit of, I believe in God, I believe he exists, a bit of, I know there's sin in my life, and I don't want to go to hell, so I better believe in Jesus, so I can go to heaven when I die. And I don't think that's a really uncommon thing. Um, but I think there was also always that stirring of knowing it's actually more than that. Um, and as I grew in my faith, and certainly as I read the broader passage, um, and then I understood more about Paul and his journey, and also the fact that he was writing to a church that he'd planted. Um, there were a couple of things in this passage that really spoke to me. I was quite fascinated by Paul's life and his faith, um, and also, I think, desiring that same experience of Jesus that Paul so powerfully expresses in this passage. And also because it does speak of that something more. It speaks of more than my initial idea of believing that God exists and going to heaven when you die if you believe in Jesus. It speaks of that pressing on towards the goal, and it stirred and it spoke to me, um, although at the time I probably couldn't have articulated really well why. And I think that's one of the things that happens as we grow in our faith. We begin to live verses out. As we walk with God and He calls us into adventures with Him, we experience the things that we see in the Bible, in the verses, in the passages, in people's stories in the Bible. And they become more real to us as we can see our own experience reflected in them as we journey with God. So I can say that while that passage really spoke to me and stirred in me, as I've lived into that passage, um, I certainly have a more deep and lived experience of that now. So let's unpack the passage a bit. It's in a letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church, most likely while he was under house arrest in Rome towards the end of his ministry. And overall, it's actually a thank you letter from a missionary to a church who he's incredibly grateful for and who had supported him and sent him gifts. And the verses that I'm focusing on today are from a section in that letter where Paul is encouraging the church not to place any confidence in what he calls the flesh, or in other words, their own achievements or the things of this world. And this passage is essentially part of Paul's personal testimony of the transformation that knowing Jesus had brought to his life and to the focus and deepest desires of his life. So I'm just going to touch on four things that have uh, in the passage that have spoken into my life and faith. 
And the first one is that it's all in. The passage starts with the word but. I don't know whether you picked that up when Laurel was reading it. So we know that whatever's going to be said by Paul after this is in contrast or even contradiction to what he was talking about immediately before this. And immediately before this in the passage, Paul actually lists off his heritage as a Jew and basically says to the Philippians, no one has more reason to be confident in their own efforts about being right before God than I do. So in verses 4 to 6, he says, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. So through his birth into the tribe of Benjamin and through his own efforts as a Pharisee in following the law, Paul was pretty much a textbook Jew. So if anyone was going to be right in God's eyes, it's going to be Paul. And these days, I don't know if we really understand the full significance of that, but I think his first readers would have really been spoken to um, by that passage. Because he's saying both because of who he was and what he had done in life, he was clearly one of God's people. And he had, he had it made in terms of being right with God. And I don't know, but maybe the equivalent for us today would be able to be saying, I was born into a Christian family, my grandparents were missionaries for 40 years, I, I go to church every Sunday, I serve, I give 10% of my income, and I, I do the best I can to follow all the commandments. However, now comes the but in Paul's letter. Paul is saying he now views things, all those things that he has in that list there, completely differently. In this first part of the passage that I'm focusing on today, you'll see that in two sentences, Paul uses the term loss or lost three times and follows that up with garbage. <laughs> so what he's saying is since meeting Jesus, all those things that he had listed off that he was placing his confidence in and considered important and the things that made him right with God, he now considered a complete loss or as something to be let go of. In fact, he, he went as far as to say they were garbage, or some translations say rubbish. Now, garbage is something that has no worth or value, and we definitely have no desire to keep anything that we consider garbage. You could even say we despise those things that we consider as garbage. And what do we do with garbage? We throw it out, it gets taken away, it gets buried, it breaks down, well, hopefully, and it's gone, it's lost. So when Paul's talking about losing things for Jesus' sake, it's not just a letting go even or a giving up. It's a despising and throwing out of those things that he used to have that confidence in. And these are some really huge statements when you stop to think about them. So why is Paul so adamant about considering that, that he now considers those things loss and garbage? I mean, some of those things are actually just a result of who he was born as. And, and shouldn't he be proud of his efforts in following the law? I don't think he's actually saying that we are to despise who we are by birth and the things we do in life in and of themselves, but that they are to be considered worthless and able to be let go of in favour of knowing and following Jesus. Our perspective on those things that we might have had confidence in have, has changed and we see them differently. So all of this says to me that doing life with Jesus is an all-in thing. Truly following him will mean coming to rethink the value 
of the things that we have considered to our credit or our profit in terms of being confident in our salvation and our relationship with God. So I want to share with you um, how I've experienced that in a couple of areas of my life over the years uh, in relation to what I place my confidence in. I'll share a bit about my work, my job, and also um, being in my early 40s and not married. So after uni, I had a great job with an environmental um, consulting firm. I had lots of opportunities to move up the ladder to take on more responsibility. Um, and, it, and, you know, I was sort of on track to be a senior manager in that company. And I really enjoyed it. I, I loved the company I worked for. But over time, it became very consuming. And I really had to wrestle with not placing all of my identity in what I was achieving in my job. For me, it wasn't so much about money and possessions, although it was great to be able to give away a, a lot of money when I was earning really well. Um, but it was about having something that I felt was worthwhile, that I felt important because of what I did and what I was able to achieve. Um, but over time, I came to realise I really wasn't satisfied. There was always something missing. Really, it was stopping me from pursuing the things of God in my life because while I did that particular job, I just had no time or energy or brain space for anything else. And it was really constantly calling my main focus away from the things of God. And it's never good to be placing your value and your importance in who you are in the thing that you do in life. So through a, a long time of God working in my life, I was really able to change how I viewed um, my identity and purpose and where I was placing that um, and to really start to hold all of that more loosely and not to connect that so much with my job. And as a re result, when God called me to, I was eventually able to walk away from that job with no regrets. And guys, God is really gracious, isn't he? I wrestled through all of that, probably not really knowing why, with nothing really concrete sitting in front of me at the time, um, that he was calling me to, but after I had done that wrestling was when he called me to Uganda to serve at Watoto Church. I ended up going there for a year at one point, and then not long after I came back, I went on to study a Master's of International Development and completely changed my career direction. And then at the end of my Master's, I was in my mid-30s by that point, and I suddenly found myself wrestling with whether to really seek marriage. I was surrounded by a number of people in my life at that time who were really pursuing that and really anxious and seeking that. And it wasn't that I didn't want to get married and have kids, um, but that I was no longer sure that it was something that I should be actively seeking. And it really was a mystery to me at the time why this had all come up, um, but I found myself really strangely stirred about it and finally came to a place where I realised God was actually saying to me, it was okay not to focus on getting married and not to actively seek it and not to consider it a thing that I should necessarily be putting a lot of time and energy and focus on. If it happens, it happens, but I was choosing to let go of that and put it aside and put aside seeking that actively. And it was God who had done all that stirring in me. It was the Holy Spirit's work. And it was no longer important to me in terms of following what God had called me into. Now, a key thing I want you to hear in me sharing all that is that that's my story. That's my adventure with Jesus. That in order 
for him to call me forward into the next thing he had for me, I needed to let go of first my job and placing my identity and um, sense of importance in that and of whether or not I was going to get married and to no longer consider that to be something to pursue. And wouldn't you know that within a few months of doing that wrestling, I was on a visit with Tear Fund to partners in Zimbabwe and someone in one of the partner organisations ex expressed a need for my exact skill set. And so I had already done all of the wrestling that meant that I could just say, hey, I could come and do that. And within a year, I had moved to Zimbabwe. So I really feel that I have lived into and, and have an understanding now of what Paul is saying in that first part of the passage. And in letting go of those things, I've actually been called into some stuff which has been amazing and such a journey with Jesus. So you might be thinking as I share that and as we read that first part of Paul's passage there, what does that mean for the things that we pursue and achieve in life? Are they all just a complete waste? I know I have asked myself at times whether those 10 years of working in consulting were wasted. Did I just not hear God soon early enough in my life? Was I just not really seeking him? Well, no. I don't think Paul is saying that we should give up or throw out everything so that we no longer actually achieve or pursue anything in life. And we certainly can't change who we were born as. Paul couldn't change the fact that he was born as a Jew and that he was born as a Roman citizen and he was a Pharisee, most likely because his family were Pharisees for generations. But what Paul is actually getting at and what I've wrestled with and come to know is that we don't view our achievements in life or even the things who we are through our birth and our family heritage as the things that we can rely on to make us right with God or as necessarily the most important thing to pursue in life. And actually what we do see is that God can use who we were born as and all of the experience we have in life in his kingdom. So my second point here is that nothing is wasted. Look at Paul's story. Because he was a Jew, he identified strongly with the Jews and he could unpack the gospel for them, particularly showing how the Old Testament prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus. And he could arrive in his new town on his missionary journeys and immediately connect with people at the synagogue. He didn't always want to listen to him, maybe, but he could connect somewhere when he arrived. And in Acts 22, we see him speaking to the people who had arrested him when he went back to Jerusalem and telling them, actually, he, I was born a Roman citizen and he was therefore entitled to a trial and to appeal to Caesar. And he ended up going to Rome as a result of that to have his case heard. Now, he also spent a long time in jail, but... He was able to appeal to that and that was a huge part of his story and his journey getting to Rome, which is somewhere he'd always wanted to go. And what a testimony for Paul to be able to say to people, I used to persecute followers of Jesus, now I am one of them. So God used all of who Paul was and all that he had done and experienced in life to be part of his ministry and testimony. And I can certainly see that evidenced in my own life and what I just shared. Because the skills that I, I developed while I was working in consulting are what I have used. And even some of the financial resource that I was able to build up during that time have been a real blessing as I've sought to do what I'm doing now. So my third point about this passage 
and what I think Paul is also saying is that we gain more than we lose. So I've highlighted there a number of times where Paul talks about gaining and knowing Jesus. He clearly, in this passage, sees knowing Jesus and identifying with him as far greater than all that stuff that he could previously claim about himself. And he, claim, he says that in giving up all his claims to being right before God and, and righteous because he was a Jew and a Pharisee and followed the law, he, in giving that up, he's actually claiming the righteousness that comes through faith in Jesus, through everything that Jesus has done for us, which is the heart of the gospel. Imagine being so close to someone, so identified with someone, that you are able to claim all of their achievements and the benefits of those achievements as your own. That is what we have when we have faith in and relationship with Jesus. And that's what Paul means when he says he'll be found in Jesus, completely identified with him, and therefore his righteousness becomes ours. And Paul also talks about knowing Jesus. And the word that's translated here as know implies a deep and intimate knowledge and relationship. It's an experiential knowing. It's not just a factual head knowledge of knowing about Jesus, but it's an actual knowing Jesus as a person. So what is Paul saying that, that he feels we gain or that he gained through being identified with Jesus? We experience the power that raised Christ from the dead, which is also the power that sees us die to sin and to self. And he wants to know fellowship. We're doing life together in deep, close relationship with Jesus. And Paul says that he wants to so closely know or identify with Jesus that he shares with him in his sufferings, which I think if you know more about Paul's story, you can say he certainly experienced. But then he also expresses that hope that we then get to be resurrected with Jesus when he comes again. And these are, again, some huge statements here from Paul. And I wonder if any of us can truly say that we know and experience life with Jesus in a way that would make us express it quite like that. You can tell that Paul is just totally sold out to this and to whatever it might bring and lead to in his life, that he just knows and is confident in it's going to be so much better doing life with Jesus than anything he could claim before. And from what I've shared of my testimony today, I can say that I've really experienced a deep satisfaction and peace and meaning in pursuing what I'm pursuing now, that something that was missing is no longer missing. And while it's not been easy, um, I can say it's been so much more than I would have imagined. Um, and I've certainly come into a much deeper and closer relationship with Jesus as a result of those experiences. But I have to say that this is also probably the section of the passage that I feel I have yet to fully surrender and journey with um, in life. But I'm also sure that God will be faithful in continuing to walk with me in that journey. And so that is really what the last section of the passage is about. If we're honest, we all know we have to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, which Paul actually says earlier in this letter to the Philippians. So if we're challenged by and still working through the first parts of the passage in our journey with Jesus, this is really encouraging. And as I shared at the beginning, it was actually the end of this passage that first um, sort of brought it to my attention and made it somewhat of a favourite of mine. And what's encouraging to me here is that Paul actually admits twice here to the Philippian church that he's not all there with all of this yet. 
he's still on that journey. He's still reaching for the full experience of what he's described. And if someone can live the life that Paul lived, and if he was indeed writing this towards the end of his ministry under house arrest in Rome, then I know it's okay for me to still be on that journey. As we live more and more of life with Jesus, we learn more and more deeply what it is to be found in him and to truly know him. And the other really encouraging thing for me is that Paul says he forgets what's behind. We've all given up some things that were not of God and we continue to have to give those things up. But God has forgiven us for them and the Holy Spirit works in our lives. So we shouldn't dwell on the past. And it also says to me there's no need to dwell on or regret the things that God has asked us to move on from and to, and to give up and to no longer have our confidence in. And finally, we strain forward, we press on. The journey with Jesus is an active one. We can't do anything to earn our salvation, but we do continue to actively grow into all that it means. We don't just passively look forward or, or hope that we might somehow get somewhere one day. We strain and we press on, Paul says in this passage. There's effort and there's focus as we move towards what God is calling us to. Sometimes it feels like it's the journey with Jesus is not just a pleasant stroll on a path where you just enjoy the nice scenery, does it? <laughs> it's actually hard work and there's bumps and it's, it's difficult at times. But this passage really encourages me to keep pressing on. It says it's actually it is going to be difficult at times and it, is, it does require our effort and our input. And so that really encourages me at times to just keep going, to press on, to strain forward because it's worth working for. So I hope that's given you a little bit of insight into some of my journey and in also into this passage. I can really confidently say that I have lived experience of this passage and know what, what Paul is getting at, even if I haven't fully, like Paul, lived into it yet. And I'm confident there's more still to come. So... I hope that you'll be encouraged by that. I hope you'll also continue to be encouraged as Josh and Janelle share with us over the next couple of weeks as well. So I'm just going to pray and then we'll, we'll finish up with a final song. Lord, we just thank you for the way your word speaks, Lord. We thank you that it is living and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword, Lord. It really penetrates our lives and it continues to speak to us, Lord, even as we've worked through things in our lives and passages have spoken to us that as we return to them, they continue to speak, Lord. We're just so, so thankful, Father, for your word and the impact that it has on our lives. And I pray for each of us here, Lord, that we would continue to have a real and lived experience of all that that passage talks about, Father, of no longer having confidence in the things of this world, in the things of the flesh, but actually knowing that gaining you Father, is more than we could ever imagine and it is a bigger reward than anything that we could ever give up or let go or no longer place our confidence in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Joe. As um, the song we're about to sing is 